chapter number three. If you would, let's stand together. Proverbs chapter number three. We're going to read two verses. Verse number one, verse number two. It's been a little while since I preached, so I'm excited about being back behind uh, the pulpit. Proverbs chapter number three, verse number one. The Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Now, I'm going to read it one more time. I want you to follow closely along. There's some good stuff that will help us here today. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be back in church. Lord, I've missed it. Thank you for our people, the great spirit that they have here today. Father, thank you so much for working through the song service already, for stirring our heart with the great truths, Lord, of who you are and all that you mean to us. Now, Father, I pray you bless your word that's been read, pray you bless the preaching, help us to say what you'd have us to say today. I pray, Father, that you would give us liberty. I pray your spirit would work in each heart, including mine, and help us respond to the invitation in a way pleasing to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In case you're wondering, uh, no, I am not trying to start a fashion statement with my glasses. Uh, Ever since COVID, I've had some trouble with light sensitivity, uh, and we're trying to rock the Urkel look maybe for a little while to see if that will help out just a little bit, and it has. I've been wearing about five days. It's helped a lot with light. Uh, After COVID, my eyes just burn a little bit uh, from bright light, and um, I've been wearing them a little while. My wife says, when I first got them, she says, you were kind of remind me of Clark Kent. And I says, oh, really? You know, Superman's always been kind of my spirit animal. And uh, she says, no, I, I meant before the muscles, you know, when he had the glasses. And uh, she didn't mean that offensively. She meant that truthfully. And uh, since then, Brother Nate has hung on my office window door, the door window, uh, a picture of Carl Fredrickson from Up, the old guy on Up, the tennis balls on the walker. Uh, but that's okay. I don't mind being picked on because it makes me feel a lot better. My eyes feel a lot better. Hopefully that will go away. That's the only residual effect that I have of that. And so not a fashion statement, just a necessity right now. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I was reading these verses on the airplane the other day as we were flying home. And uh, we got an early start. I had to leave about 4 a.m. and got on the plane. Leslie went ahead and, and, and took a nap. I don't sleep well on airplanes. And Miley was watching a movie. Uh, the lady in front of me and the lady beside me were traveling down to Orlando for a weightlifting competition. And they looked the part, uh, that's for sure. And they're always talking, they were sitting there talking about how much they could bench press and how much they could squat. I mean, this one lady, she was tough. Half her head was shaved and the other half was long and man it was part of it was purple and so I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to add to the conversation there they said it'd been six months since they had brownies and I do I couldn't pitch in with that how much they could bench press I couldn't add anything to that and so I decided instead of strike up a conversation I was just going to do some Bible reading so I started back in Proverbs chapter number three and I think it's always good to study your Bible on an airplane Uh, because you're always closer to the Lord uh, when you're in an airplane. And so you're studying. I always get a lot out of my study when I'm studying in an airplane because I'm naturally closer uh, to the Lord. Some of you will figure that out uh, when you get home and you'll smile and laugh then. Uh, But I was reading Proverbs chapter number three. And when I got to verse number two, have you ever been reading through, and you're reading through a passage you've read through many times before, and you stump your toe on a verse? And you're like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, there's something really good in there. Let me give you a secret. There's something good in every verse, but sometimes God really just magnifies and illuminates parts of them for us, particular places in our life. And verse number two really jumped out. Look at it if you would. The Bible says, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. When I read verse number two, I thought to myself, you know, this is what everybody's looking for. Verse number two is what every person on planet earth wants in their life. Look at it. The Bible says, for length of days, who doesn't want that? Uh, I think, look, you're probably not in your right mind if you're just looking forward to dying any moment, okay? I'm not looking forward to it. Let's just go ahead and get that out on the table. I think I'd like to live to be a ripe old age uh, to where the glasses actually fit my age one day, okay? Uh, but I look forward to living a long time. Verse 3, or verse 2, the Bible says, and long life. Now, that kind of hung me up when I was on the airplane. It almost sounds like God's repeating himself, doesn't he? For length of days and long life. Really, really interesting study. Went back and I studied that passage where it says length of days. And it doesn't just mean long days. It means a fruitful and prosperous life. You ever, you ever thought to yourself, I could get so much more done if I just had a few more hours in the day? This is what the Bible's referring to. Not just having a long life, but where the days of your life are filled and they are prosperous. Not necessarily meaning you're going to be rich, but you're going to have a productive life. So watch closely. For length of days or productive life, and then a long life, so that means we're going to live many years, and peace shall they add to thee. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have peace in my life. I'd like to have a productive life. And I'd like to have a prolonged life. When I saw those three points there, I really wanted to preach those. But God says, no, that's not the message yet. And so we all seek for those, don't we? We all desire peace in our life. So many of the things people are addicted to in today's society, it's because they desire peace and they're looking for something to comfort and console them in a life that is littered with turmoil, okay? Why? We all want peace. If you don't want peace, I encourage you, go sign up to work in children's church or the nursery because you'll never get it there, okay? All of us want peace. All of us want a productive life. We want lengthened days. Oh, I want to fill my days with as much as I can to the honor and glory of God. I want to fill my days and redeem the time I have as much for the cause of Christ. I want lengthened days. I want prolonged days. And then I want a life that is long. Now, I want all of those things. But look at verse 2. The Bible says, for length of days and long life, and peace shall they add to thee. So verse 2 is an outcome to something. Okay? If we want to know how to get verse number 2, verse number 2 is the effect. We've got to find what the cause is. Now, what is the cause? The cause is verse number one. I went back and began to read it. Why? Because I want verse number two. Well, God shows us in verse number one how we get verse number two. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. All of a sudden, I'm reading verse number one, and one word begins just to really jump into my heart about what that verse means, and it's the word obedience. God says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. This is simply obedience. So watch this. God says that through obedience, we find peace, we find productive days, and we find prolonged days. And I'm sitting there on the airplane. I really wanted to talk to the lady with the shaved head. I really did. Like, did you see that? Are you ever that way when you find a wonderful truth? 
You want to show somebody you're waking your spouse up in bed because, you're, hey, do you see this? And they're not as excited about it as you are. I'm thinking to myself, could it be that obedience to God is the key to what we really want in life? Could it be that simple? I mean, could it be that simple that a heavenly father says, if you just be obedient to me, you will find the things you really want in life. You say, well, I want a big house and I want a nice car and I want a full bank account. No, what you really want is peace and you want productive days and you want a prolonged life. When it comes down to it, those are the things you really want. And God says the key in verse number one is obedience. I couldn't help but think of the song, Trust and Obey. What does it say? We walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. What's the chorus say? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and what? Obey. Folks, I believe this morning God's trying to show us that obedience is the key to have what we truly desire in life. Peace productive days, and prolonged life. Can I ask you, what was the key for Adam and Eve to have the life they really wanted? It was obedience. If they'd have just been obedient, they could have had it. Can I ask you, what was the key this morning to transform ordinary fishermen to become the great disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what the key was? It was obedience. You say, it wasn't Bible college? No, it was obedience. So how do you know? He said, follow me. And they just left their nets and followed him. That was obedience. What was the key for Israel in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, to have good success? The Bible says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. That means you do what you know. That's obedience. And what's the second part of Joshua 1, 8 say? For then thou shalt have good Success. You see, the success and what we're looking for in life comes from being obedient to God. And God says, I can make sure you have peace. The government can't do that. Your money can't do that. Possessions won't do that. God says, I can give you peace. It's on the other side of obedience. God says, I can give you productive days. God says, I can give you prolonged life. But it comes from what? It comes from obedience. This is why, listen, obedience is the foundation for everything you're going to become and everything you're going to do for the cause of Christ. You've got to learn to obey. That's why Ben Franklin said this, mom and dads, pay close attention. This is important in 2021. Ben Franklin says, let thy child's first lesson be obedience. And the second will be what thou wilt. You teach them to obey. My dad, one of the first things they told us, we found out, we were expecting, we went over and we gave him one of those yellow triangles that say baby on board, you know. That was kind of the thing you did in the early 2000s. Now you have these big reveals and all of that. I'm sorry about that, Miley. We didn't get to have that for her because it wasn't a thing back then. Well, the first things my dad says, teach her the meaning of the word no. What was he saying? Teach her to learn to obey. If she can learn to obey us, she'll learn to obey God. Now, I'm going to give you a quick three points this morning, but I'm convinced the majority of our struggles do not come from worldly opposition. The majority of the struggles in the Christian life are not coming from worldly opposition where the world's just fighting you because you live for God. No, most of the, the struggles we face in the Christian life comes from an unwillingness to obey. Look, we're not suffering this morning because of our faith. Most of us, and I'm raising both hands because I'm just as guilty, 
Most of us are not suffering for our faith. Most of us are suffering for our foolishness. We're hurting, and it's self-inflicted. Remember mom and dad when you was a kid? Well, they tell you about the stove. Don't touch it, it's hot. Don't touch it, it's hot. Man, you got to find out that it's hot. And all of a sudden, you get hurt. Why? Because you hadn't learned obedience. Now, folks, look, we touch a lot of stoves as Christians this morning that we shouldn't touch simply because we're not obeying. And I believe this very simple truth in that very simple verse, verse number two or verse number one, is going to show us how to obey. Charles Finney said this about revival. Revival is nothing more than a new obedience to God. We're trying to figure out how to have revival in America. God, you've got to raise up America. God, you've got to pick us up. God, you've got to stir us. God, you've got to put us back on the right track. God says, learn to obey. Yes. Just learn to obey. This morning, we're going to look at the way to what we're looking for. The way to what we're looking for. What are you looking for this morning? I guarantee you're looking for peace. I guarantee you you're looking for productive days and a prolonged life. And God says, I'm going to show you how but you've got to learn to be obedient. Now, let's look, if we would, in verse number one. I'm going to give you three quick points, okay? The Bible says in verse number one, my son, my son. Now, be honest with you, usually I get to those words at the beginning of a verse, and I skip over them because, you know, I'm going to get to the meat of the verse, but you know the word of God, it's all meat, right? And all of a sudden, I noticed who is speaking and I notice who is being spoken to. This is not the advice of a random stranger on how to live the right kind of life. Notice who's speaking here. It's a loving father appealing to his son on the subject of obedience. Now, understand this this morning. The words mean more when they come from someone you have a relationship with. Right? If you insulted me this morning, and some of you probably have, whether under your breath or you know, in the car on the way home after Sunday. Uh, as a pastor, you just kind of learn to accept the insults. That's just part of the job, you know. It doesn't hurt as much as it would if my wife were to insult me on the way home. Why? Because we have a relationship, and her words mean a whole lot more. Now, in those first two words lie the first key in learning how to be obedient. Notice number one, if you will. I want you to notice the relationship and obedience. The relationship and obedience. Do you know why this morning... So many of us have trouble being obedient to Almighty God. It's because we don't have the relationship with God that we should. Because if you had the proper relationship with God that you should this morning, you'd find it a whole lot easier to be obedient to him because the words of this book are not coming from a random stranger who's giving you advice. They're coming from your heavenly Father. Look, for the men that are here this morning and the young men that are here this morning, you ought to read this as my son. Listen, for the ladies this morning, you read that as my daughter. The words that are giving us the counsel this morning about obedience are coming from our father. And they should mean more. And folks, listen, if we have the relationship with God that we should, obedience would come a whole lot easier. You'd be amazed at what you would be willing to do for God if you just had the proper relationship with him. But watch this. Our resistance to be obedient to God, look, is evident that our relationship is not what it's supposed to be. I'll give you a prime example. We flew down to Disney for their 50th anniversary. Uh, big to-do, a surprise for Miley. And 
Uh, one of the things she wanted when we got down there, they have limited edition merchandise uh, just for the 50th anniversary. Some of it's only available on October 1st, which was their 50th anniversary. One of the things she wanted is something she always gets when we're down there. It's a little lounge fly backpack, they're called, and she gets one per trip just to remember the trip by. That's kind of the souvenir she gets. And there's a set of Mickey ears that her and Leslie wanted that had the 50th anniversary on them. We get down to the parks. I'm so excited. I'm going to go buy that for Miley because that's just a little souvenir for the trip. We walk into the store. I says, could you direct me to the 50th anniversary lounge fly backpacks? The lady says, we're sold out of them. Now, I'm a Christian, so I didn't want to get all riled up and mean. <clears throat> I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's September the 30th, and the anniversary is on the 1st. How could you sell out of the 50th anniversary merchandise before the 50th anniversary? It didn't just seem to make much sense to me. The lady said, sir, we sold out weeks ago, and you can't find one anywhere on property. All of a sudden, there's a, a dad switch that got flipped. Man, I, Molly's not going to whine or complain about it, but I knew she really wanted that. And so all of a sudden, Brother Jim, I, I went in commando mode. I'm going to find one. You can't tell me on the 40-square-mile property of Disney World, I didn't tell her this, but that's how I felt, that you can't find me one backpack, and so I made it my mission to find that backpack and to find those ears. Well, they have a, a World of Disney store at Disney Springs, a little shopping area. I hopped on the, the bus transport. We went down there, raced into the store, and I found two ears, two sets of ears, and I put a death grip on them. I've got them. Walking around the store, people say, where'd you get those? I said, they're all gone. I got the last two, and no, you can't have them. They didn't know I was a Christian, so I didn't have to act like it, right? That's how you live, so that's how I live. I'm walking around with him. I got him under my arm. Leslie walks up. Leslie says, I, I got this pillow. It says home. It's got the castle on it, and I want this blanket. Uh, can we get that shipped home? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, do that. And so we got up to the counter. I'm standing in line. The lady says, you want this shipped home? I said, yeah, let's ship those home. And she says, well, the coffee that you bought, the 50th anniversary coffee, we can't ship it home because it's a perishable. You're going to have to take that with you in a bag. I said, no problem. So she filled everything out, the shipping address. Shipping was free. I grabbed my bag, walked out the door, so excited. Boom, dead moment. You know, I had fulfilled what my little girl wanted. And we get on the transport to go back to our hotel room. And Legends, I'm so excited you found those. Me, I am so excited too. And I open up the bag. And there was the coffee. But the ears got put in the box being shipped back to Mississippi. I go back to the store, ma'am. Just a little while ago, bought these. They're in a box somewhere in this building. I need them. See, that's what I get for not acting like a Christian. She says, sir, your box has already been shipped. So the 50th anniversary ears are in a box on their way to Mississippi, and I'm in Disney World celebrating the 50th anniversary. I am ticked off. I've disappointed my daughter, my wife. They didn't think it was a big deal, but it's a big deal to me because I knew they wanted them, and I'm going to come through for them. So the next morning, I said, y'all go on to the parks. I'm going to find some ears, and I'm going to find a backpack. So I got up an hour before the store opened, called an Uber, because Uber was faster than a bus transport. I get down to World of Disney. I walk out. Let me show you this picture right quick. This is what I saw when I got there. The line wrapped around the building. And in the next picture, it wrapped into the parking lot. So I'm thinking, they're probably here for the coffee mug. You know, they're probably here for, you know, the snow globe. I said, what are you here for? Ears in a backpack. Shipped them home, didn't you? No, I didn't tell you that. What are you here for? 
years in the backpack. Oh, I knew it was elbow throwing time. The man comes out the door and he says, ladies and gentlemen, if you're standing in line for years in the backpack, we're sold out and there's none on property. Oh, my hair's on fire. I can't believe I've done that. The next day, we get up at 3.45. I'm going somewhere with this. Hop on a bus, get to the Magic Kingdom. We're some of the first people in the park. We go into there, there's stuff breaking, cups hitting the ground, no joke. Christmas ornaments breaking, it's the 50th anniversary. And there on the shelf, the display was the backpack. And there was the ears. I just squeezed myself in there and got two of each. Just in case somebody knocked me over the head and got one, I was still going to have a spare. I got it to my alley, boy, it's such a big deal. My said, Dad, it wasn't that big a deal. I said, no, it was a big deal. And I thought about that this morning. I thought about, you know, I wouldn't do that for just anybody. I skipped time in the parks. I was willing to stand in line. I was willing to put up a fight. Why? Because of who I was doing it for. I was doing it for somebody that I have a close relationship with. This is my only child. This is my daughter. And yes, she's got me wrapped around her finger and I'm not ashamed of it. But I was willing to stand in line, skip some time in the parks, and fight some people off in order to get her what she wanted. Now, if you asked me to do that for you, I'd probably just go on eBay. But I was willing to do that for her. Why? Because of the relationship I have with her. Can I tell you something? Do you know why we're not willing to take a stand for God? to fight a little bit for God, while we're not willing to skip out on some things this morning, is because we don't have much of a relationship with God. If we had the kind of relationship we should, we would be willing to skip out on some of the things the world offers. I missed a half a day in Hollywood Studios. Why? Because the relationship with my daughter that I had with her, it was worth doing it. Now, folks, the reason you can't skip out on the world and I can't skip out on the world and we're not willing to stand in line for God very long and we're not willing this morning to put up a fight for the cause of Christ, it's evident that our relationship is not what it is and not what it should be. Why? Because we haven't yet learned to be obedient. This is why John chapter 14, verse 15, remember this word, this verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you know what that is? That's relationship. Keeping his commandments, there's obedience he says, hey, you want to keep my commandments? You've got to have a relationship with me. And I believe with all of my heart this morning, the key to obedience is a personal relationship and the one that you're called to obey. Now, you think about that. What are you willing to do for your spouse? Now, some of you don't answer out loud because you're going to get in trouble and you're going to have to go out and eat Wendy's for lunch. I'll bet you you get in front of a train I bet you take a bullet. Why? Because relationship, you're willing to do what you're willing to do. God says here, the length of days, the long life, and the peace, they come through obedience. But obedience begins with a relationship. When I got in the Uber that morning to go to, to uh, Disney Springs, I looked on my phone, and the driver's name was Fayad, F-A-Y-A-D. Not a name from someone here in the South. I get in the van, I could tell he was from Middle Eastern descent, his, his accent was Middle Eastern, and so going down the road, we're talking about what, what I was doing in my day, and I said, what do you have planned today? And he told me about his day just for a few minutes, and uh, I says, Fayat. He goes, yeah, I says, not a Florida name. He goes, what do you mean? I says, well, look, most guys don't hear a name Bob and John and Bill and Larry. I said, we don't see many Fayads, you know, here in the South. He goes, well, I'm from Syria. We began talking to him about the Holy Land and the Middle East and all that. I said, one day I'd like to go over there and all of that. I said, I'm a Christian. I said, to see some of those sites would mean a lot to me. 
And uh, he says, just don't go over there right now. It's scary. I said, yeah, I'm not going to go over there right now. It's probably scary. And then I asked him this. I says, I says, are you a Christian? He says, no, I'm a Muslim. I said, okay, I kind of figured that. I said, let me ask you a question. I'm just curious. How does a Muslim go to heaven? He says, we have Hassanat. I had to get the word written correctly, and that's how you pronounce it, Hassanat. He said, that's the credit we get for good deeds. And if Allah deems our deeds good enough, then we get to go to heaven. Now watch this. In his belief system, you have to meet all the requirements to have a relationship. But I was so thankful to be able to share with Fayyad that with Jesus, it starts with a relationship. And then he helps you meet the requirements. Now, folks, understand this this morning. So many of us are seeking out the peace, the productive days, and the prolonged life, and we've yet to learn obedience. The reason we fell in the will of God is we fell in our walk with God. We've yet to learn to be obedient to the will and the word of God. And until we learn obedience, I hate to tell you this, you're going to have a tough time finding that peace in life that you're looking for. Religion says meet the requirements and you can have a relationship. Jesus says have a relationship and I'll help you meet the requirements. Aren't you thankful for Christ this morning? That you get to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Watch this, Joshua chapter 14, verse number 8. He's talking about the spies that went into the promised land. Here's what Joshua says. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. Now, there's something very good there you need to see. Why did Joshua and Caleb decide, you know what? We're going to go in the promised land, and we're going to come out and give a good report that we're well able to take it. It's because of their God. They had a personal relationship with the God of heaven, and they knew that God could take those armies that were on the inside, all of the giants that were there. He says, I fully followed. Why? Because of my God. I believe our fellowship this morning reflects who our God is. And the reason we don't follow very far or for very long is because our relationship with God is not what it needs to be. The Apostle Paul, we see him before he got saved when he was Saul, busy doing the work. You know what he was trying to do? The Apostle Paul was trying to meet the requirements. And buddy, he was doing a good job of it. Matter of fact, as a lost man, he was probably doing better at meeting the requirements than most of us safe people are. The Apostle Paul was trying to meet all the requirements, but he lacked one thing. What did he lack? Relationship. He didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then one day on the road to Damascus, that light shone down from heaven. And all of a sudden, that's where he trusted Christ. And all of a sudden, he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? Now he can get on the road to service. Why? Because he has a relationship. It begins with a relationship with the Lord. And I fear this morning that so many of us have yet to learn obedience because our relationship with God is not what it needs to be. Number one, notice the relationship of obedience. My son, let's keep reading. The Bible says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Now, notice what follows the relationship and obedience. My son, forget not my law. You see, watch, the relationship laid the groundwork for God's command. My son, forget not my law. Now, can I tell you this, mom and dad? A relationship is a wonderful way to lay the groundwork for any command you're going to give. By the way, that's what your heavenly father did. If you, look, we can't understand why our children do not uh, accept our commands and follow our commands. Maybe you ought to spend a little bit more time building a relationship with them. All right? My son, forget not my law. Now, in order to find peace in life, a productive days, and a prolonged life, notice the second thing. Notice the responsibility of obedience. 
My son, forget not my law. You see, obedience doesn't end just with a relationship. Contrary to popular belief and mainstream religion. Listen, obedience doesn't stop just the fact that you know Christ. No, now there's a responsibility that comes along with it. What's the responsibility? To forget not my law. Now, folks, you've got to understand this this morning. I have found the greater relationship that I have with someone, the greater my responsibility is to them. Think about that. Some of you, wake up. All right, stick with me. The greater relationship that you have with someone or something, the greater responsibility you have to it. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, my daughter, she comes home and she likes to eat. She likes to go to Disney World. Uh, she likes to get little backpacks. All right? Now, I don't mind doing that for you every once in a while, uh, but don't expect that of me all the time. Why? You're not my responsibility. All right? I have a relationship with you, but not the type of relationship I have with her. All right? She's my daughter. I've got a lot of years, time, hairs, and money invested in her. Okay? And so because of my relationship with her, I have a greater responsibility to her. Now, understand this this morning. The reason I believe that we don't have a great responsibility to God is because we don't have a great relationship with God. You look at Christians today. You don't see any burden of obedience on them. We li listen, we, we're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes, okay? It's 11.59 for those of you scared to look at your watch. We're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes, and all of a sudden, the Word of God that's been preached, whatever the Holy Spirit of God put in your heart, it's going to stay right there on the pew that you were sitting. You're going to walk right out without it. Why? You don't want to be burdened by the, the weight of obedience in your life. But I hate to tell you this this morning. If your obedience to God... It's not much of a burden, I doubt, the reality of your relationship. If you're not burdened by the obedience to God, I doubt seriously the kind of relationship you have with God. Why? Because your obedience ought to weigh down on you. What's the burden? Here it is, verse 1. My son, forget not my law. Think about this truth. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands know this one well. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Watch this. Husbands, you know what that is? Relationship. What's the very next word? Love. Responsibility. With that relationship as a husband comes the responsibility not just to love your wife, but the responsibility to love her as Christ loved the church. What a high bar he set. I'm going to go ahead and cover the other one so the husbands don't get mad at me. Verse 22, what does it say? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, there's a relationship. Submit, there's a responsibility. The greater the, the relationship, the greater the responsibility. Let's hit the kids while we're at it. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents. You see, because of your relationship, there comes a responsibility with that. Now, folks, I'm sure you're thinking this morning, I knew it was too good to be true. That The preacher's going to show us this morning the way to everything we want, and now we have to be obedient, we have to submit, and we have to love, all of those things. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you get mad and turn me off, listen, although relationships come responsibility, that door swings both ways. Now, watch this, okay? I'm going to turn there for you and read this. Matthew chapter 6. You know this passage well, but I want you to see this principle about relationships and responsibilities. So Matthew chapter 6, we have these brand new disciples. They've quit their job. 
They're fixing to go on the road and become evangelists. And I'm sure they're thinking, I know they're thinking, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to live? Matthew chapter 6, we look down. Verse 25, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall you eat or what shall you drink? Nor yet what your bo- for, your, for your body, what shall you put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Wait a minute, listen close. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Do you know what he's telling them? Look, you have a relationship with me, and the responsibility is to follow me. But I have a relationship with you. And because I have a relationship with you, I have the responsibility to feed you and clothe you and take care of you. Listen to me this morning. That seems like a pretty good deal to me. God says, you just be obedient, and I'll be responsible for everything else. But folks, here's where we miss out. We forget how to be obedient and just follow him. And then we find ourselves trying to find all of these things in Matthew 6. What does it say finally in verse 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness and all these things shall be added. Just be obedient. Here's your responsibility in the relationship. Seek ye first. Follow me. And don't worry about all the rest. I'll take care of that. Why? Because I have a responsibility. And can I tell you, God takes care of his own. How many times in my life has God come through for me in ways I couldn't imagine? Why? Because I have a relationship with him, and he keeps his responsibility toward me. But here's our problem. What I honestly believe is the problem this morning is the church wants a relationship with God, but we don't want a responsibility to God. I really do believe that this morning. We want the peace, the productive days, and the prolonged life, but we don't want to pay a price for them. We don't want to pay a price for them. You know, I never looked at the price tag for those years in that backpack. I never did. My wife, I'm sure, has looked at the credit card statement by now. She could probably tell you. All that I knew, it was her desire, and I was going to hunt down that goofy pair of ears and that little backpack for midgets. It's about this big. I never looked at the price tag. Why? Because I was willing to pay the price to get the one that I had a relationship with, really wanted. And the reason we're not willing to pay the price to stand for Christ, to fight the good fight, and to be faithful, we're not willing to pay the price because we don't have the relationship with him we should. Therefore, we don't meet the responsibilities. There's a fallacy or heresy out in our world today called the hyper-grace movement. And it's the movement where we believe that under grace we are liberated from the rules of holiness, because God's grace is so sufficient, we can live how we want because we're living under grace. We're no longer on the law. We are liberated to live the way that we want to. doesn't seem to just sit right if you just let the Spirit lead you in that. That God saved me from sin to allow me the freedom to go back in sin? No, no, no. The hyper-grace movement is simply a movement that was established by preachers who are too scared to preach against sin. That's where it came from. And so we put it under the roof of grace. You know, we're all under grace. We're not under the law anymore. We don't have to preach on holiness. I'm trying to figure out if we're under grace and we don't have to be holy, why did he say, be ye holy, for I am holy? Why did he say, come out from among them and be ye separate? Why? Because it still matters to God. Now understand this this morning. We still have a responsibility to obedience to Almighty God. And the reason it's tough is we don't have the relationship with God that we should. 
my son, forget not my law. I want you to think about this this morning. Imagine if you husbands decided, you know what? I want my wife to submit to me, but I'm not going to love her like Christ loved the church. It's not going to go over well. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and I can tell you, it's not going to go over well. Our, our, our wives say, you know what? Husband, I want you to love me like Christ loved the church because while we have a relationship, you're supposed to love me, but I don't have any responsibility toward you. I'm not going to submit to you. I'm going to run you down on Facebook in front of everybody. Not good. It's not. What if our kids say, Mom and Dad, you have a responsibility to me because you're my parents. You're supposed to go hunt me ears, buy me backpacks, feed me food, take care of my medical, but I choose just not to obey you. Not going to fly. Why? Because relationship, relationships come with responsibilities and it goes both ways. And we have a responsibility to God of obedience. One of my favorite passages of scripture, and I'm going to hurry, is Romans chapter 7. The apostle Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Can we all agree with that? For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not... That I do, oh wretched man that I am, exclamation point. What is Paul? Paul seems conflicted. Doesn't he know we're under grace? Man, what are you fighting about? Just do what you want and relax. You don't have to do any of that now we're under grace. No, he was bearing the burden of obedience. He says, inside me, there's something fighting. I want to do good, and it fights me from doing good, and it draws me to do the things I'm not supposed to do. What was he doing? He was bearing the burden of, of obedience. He says, I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have a requirement and responsibility to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that responsibility is obedience. Folks, if you don't have a burden for what you believe this morning, I seriously doubt the relationship you have with the Lord. Or maybe you've just drifted. Now, what's the responsibility? I'm going to give you the last thing. Verse 1 says, my son, forget not. My son, forget not. You know one of the surest signs of a struggling relationship is when you start forgetting things that matter to the other person. This will help your home if you'll listen to this. One of the surest signs of a struggling relationship is when you quit caring what matters to the other person. That's why I believe with all of my heart this morning, the majority of the church on planet Earth doesn't have the relationship with God that they should. Why? So how do you know that? Because the things of God don't matter to us anymore. They matter between the hours of 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and 12.30 on Sunday afternoon. That's the only time it matters. Imagine if the only time your relationship with your spouse matters when somebody else was around. You're all lovey-dovey, oh, you know, taking selfies together and all this, and as soon as they're going, you're like, ugh. I hate to tell you this. I got a seat for you in my office. We'll be seeing each other soon. Why? If you're going to have a healthy relationship, what matters to the other person has got to matter to you. My wife, we first got married, she was in scrapbooking, you know? I didn't get it, but it meant something to her. So, man, every scrapbooking store I went into, which wasn't a lot, I was buying her stickers. Finally, she had to tell me, quit buying me stickers. So, well, you like stickers. We're like, yeah, but I got too many stickers. I don't know anything about scrapbooking, but you know what? She means something to me, so what means something to her means something to me. You want to have a healthy relationship with the Lord? What means something with him ought to mean something to you. You say, well, what means something to God? Wonderful fact, he gave us a whole book of all the things that mean something to him. 
And the reason this morning we have trouble in obedience is because we're not bearing our part of the responsibility. We are forgetting his law. And finally, let's look at this and I'll let you go home. My son, there's the relationship in obedience. Forget not my law, there's a responsibility in obedience. It says, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Now this is a tough one. The way to what we want, have that relationship, we bear our responsibility. But unfortunately, everybody here in the South is saved already from what they tell me. I ask people, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes, me and God are like this. Doesn't matter what they're doing, how they're living, me and God are like this. They say they have a relationship, but I don't believe they do. Well, you know what? I go to church. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you have a relationship with the Lord. Just because you talk about gaudy things doesn't mean you know the Lord as your personal Savior. Just because you sing about God's things doesn't mean you know him as personal Savior. Now, last part of verse number three shows us where obedience begins. My son, forget not my law, but let thine what? Heart keep my commandments. This is where it gets serious and we're going to have our invitation. Notice number three this morning, the reality of obedience. The reality of obedience. I sincerely believe this morning that the reason so many of us struggle with obedience outwardly is because we haven't submitted to obedience inwardly. I just can't make my hands do right. You need to see a doctor about that, okay? I just can't make my eyes and my ears and my mouth do right. Look, you're never going to get these right. You can't train these things to do right. Why? Because they're made of flesh and it's cursed. That's what Paul says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But if you want to change these things, you've got to change what controls these things. Do you know what controls these? It's your heart. Now, the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, your eyes look, your hands do, your legs go. It's all a heart problem this morning. And the reason we have trouble being obedient with our hands and being obedient with our legs to take us to church and being obedient to God getting someone on track, it's because we've not submitted to be obedient to God in our heart. We're doing it with our hands, but our heart has not submitted to God. And he says here, obedience begins in your heart. The last scripture I want to read you this morning is in Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is giving this church wonderful doctrine. In Romans chapter number 6, you read about how he's encouraging them and explaining them to move on from the old life to a life obedient to God. Romans chapter number 6, I'm going to begin in verse number 1 real quickly and just read down. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Blows a hole in hypergrace. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Keep reading. Know this in verse 6, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Notice, moving on from the past, moving on to obedience. We could keep reading verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust. Don't obey sin anymore. How do we move on to that? Well, the answer is verse number 17. Watch closely. But God be thanked that ye were, past tense, the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. What is Paul saying in the New Testament is the key to obedience? It begins in the heart. It begins in the heart. 
I'm afraid we've learned to play church all too well. We know how to look, we know how to smell, we know how to talk, we know how to act. And we're obeying with our hands, but we've yet to be obedient from the heart. You say, what does it mean to be obedient from the heart? Well, this is really neat. In Proverbs chapter 3, look down at verse 6 and you'll see it. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You see, the reality of obedience is simple. Obedience must begin in the heart. And the way that you're obedient in heart is when you have submitted your entire heart, your thoughts, your ideals, your desires, your personal pet sins. You've decided, verse 6, in all my ways I'm going to acknowledge him and I'm going to let him direct my path, my path. Obedience is simply submitting our hearts to God. And I think you look no further this morning than the Pharisees. They got outward obedience right, but were as lost as a goose. Many, if not most of them, died and ended up in a devil's hell because they learned how to do obedience on the outside but never obeyed from the heart. Now, I wonder this morning, I really do, I wonder, number one, out of all the people that are in here this morning, I, I believe we're going to fit in two categories. We're either people who've yet to be obedient to God when he called us and said, come. The Savior invites us, come. He invites us to drink of the water free, to know Christ as our Savior, and we've yet to submit to that. No, 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 no. I'm going to live my life the way I want to because when I'm doing things the way I want to, I have more peace. No, that's a lie straight from hell. Peace only comes from obedience to God. And when he knocks, you answer the door and you invite him in. Oh, then you're going to have peace. Then you have those productive days. And boy, do you have a prolonged life because it goes all throughout eternity. But you've yet to submit in heart. And then I wonder this morning, the second group of people, this is one I often fall in. Have you obeyed from the heart? Is the reason you're, having, you're struggling doing what's right is because you're trying to do it with your hands and you've yet to submit your heart to God. What you're looking for is on the other side of obedience. Just obey God. What did God say do? And let's just do it. It begins, number one, with a relationship. A relationship. My son. He says, this is not a random stranger. I'm saying, look, because of who I mean to you, what I mean to you, and who I am to you, my words should mean something. Forget not my law. There's your responsibility. And the reality is this. If you don't submit in heart, you've not submitted at all. What is it this morning that the Lord is telling you he wants you to do? Can I give you a little bit of advice to find peace, productive days, and prolonged life? Just obey. Just obey. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together.